GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hi, I'm Justine Cartwright, and every week I bring you life stories on GBC television. Everyone has a story to tell, and on the programme we meet people from all walks of life, and we listen to their stories and personal journey in their own words. It's that eternal debate, nurture versus nature. So what is it that makes us who we are? Is it the surroundings and your upbringing or is it simply a DNA lottery? Today we talk to someone who might show us it's both. Let's meet Tony. Tony, tell us a little bit about your childhood growing up. Yep, so I was born in the Isle of Sheppey, Sheerness um, in Kent. Um, there's a prison there, lots of sheep and lots of caravans. Exciting. Yeah, exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and really I just lived with my, with my mum and who I later found out was my, my stepdad um, up to the age of eight in, um, in Borough Green, right. in Item, so in, in Kent. So what happened with this person you thought was your father and then by the age of eight you found out that he wasn't actually your biological father. He played a big role in, in, in your trauma growing up. He, he did, yeah, he played a big role. So to the public he was a lovely guy but I think now I'm older I realise that he was jealous of me and yeah there was a lot of physical and mental abuse up to the age of eight and um, a few things stand out is um, he tried to drown me and my mum in the bath um, to the point where, yeah, I honestly thought I was going to die. My mum thought that as well. Police got called. Um, yeah, and it was just a tough time, really. Um, I was too scared, so scared to leave the room that I'd lift the carpet up and I'd urinate in the corner of the carpet because I didn't want to bump into him. So, yeah, it was tough. Um, but, hey, you know, it's, these things happen, sadly. Just define how that abuse kind of evolved, because it was mental and physical. How yeah. do you abuse mentally? Because a lot of people focus on the physical and not the mental. Um, it was it constantly scared, really, with, with words as well and, and what I can't do. And I went and I once went to the shed, got a crash helmet, was playing with it. And then it was his, and then I got beaten with that crash helmet on, on my skull. So and it split the back of my skull open. So it was, just, it was just more, I was scared. All I wanted him to do was really love me and look after me. Uh, definitely wanted that from my mum. I think my mum, my mum tried her best, um, but it just wasn't good enough. Um, and at the age of eight, the phone rang. Um, you know, them big phones with the dial things that yeah, no one I remembers. Yeah, I come from the, that era. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the phone rang and I answered it and uh, someone said, Who's that? And I'm, it's Anthony. Well, I'm your dad. In that moment, I realised that the person who I thought was my dad is not my dad. Um, and another I, shock. Another shock, yeah. And, and I found out that lots of letters have been uh, written to me, but whether it was my mum or whether it was, it was my, my stepfather that stopped me seeing him, I never, I never knew he existed. So I said to him, if you're my dad, come and get me. This is happening to me. And he was living in Germany at the time. A couple of days later, he turned up. Um, my so-called stepfather um, hid away. 
went missing. Uh, my dad collected me and my mum didn't put up a fight. Um, I just left with my dad. So, um, yeah, it was a tough period, really, I suppose. Very, very. Yeah. So now you're growing up in Germany. Well, um, I have a stepmum that's German. I speak German. And out of all of the um, stepmums I had with my dad, uh, my dad was married a few times, you know, she's still in my life today. Um, she's the one that really cared for me and looked after me. It's and amazing. So I still have a connection to Germany and, and, and my dad had a, a child with her as well. So I've got sister and sisters out there as well. So, but um, yeah, it, I, we, we lived everywhere. My dad kept splitting up with Ingrid, my stepmom. Uh, we came back to the UK. Um, she came over as well. We lived in Hadlow in Kent. And they split up a lot, and every time they split up, my mum left with the children and couldn't take my mum. My, my stepmum, yeah. Ingrid, left without me, and I was crying on the kitchen sink looking out the window, and I couldn't understand why she wouldn't take me with her. Um, why didn't I want to stay with my dad? Well, my dad was, he did the best he could do, but he was an alcoholic. He was always right. drinking. Um, and she just had enough of it really and so there was lots of backs and forth lived in lots of different places so the the moment I got the opportunity to to um, you know get away from home I did so Tony you're very young at this point <laughs> still so much story to go no I know um... So at 14, um, when I was with my dad and, and another stepmom, um, I ran away from home, um, got caught, came back, and then ultimately um, I ran away for good and I stayed um, with a couple. Um, my dad was aware in the end where I was and I ultimately I worked on a building site. Um, so I did that for about a year and a half, um, making cups of teas, um, moving wheelbarrows with bricks and thought I was uh, all grown up and stuff. So. Um, it was a sad time, I was quite lonely, but I felt like I was taking control mm. for the first time and uh, when you're that age you think you're an adult. And uh, yeah, and I went to Canterbury, Roper Road, went to join the army at 15 years and 9 months. There was some paperwork that had to be signed by both parents, with which I signed myself. Um, so you forged their signatures? Yeah, I did, yeah. Or invented them I invented, at this stage? I invented yeah. them signatures and the uh, next thing is I joined the army. I joined the army on January the 8th, 1990 in Shawncliffe in Folkestone. Um, I did a year's training, uh, got junior RSM, so I come top. Um, I wasn't particularly the brightest, it's just that for the first time I felt like I had family. And I just really took to it like a duck to water. And I think that's why I got um, the, the promotion while I was there. Uh, and then I hit the real world um, in Cyprus. So it, when the Gulf War was, was on. So, yeah, a long time ago now. So how does that affect you, war? Because you're also in Afghanistan, were you? Yeah. Um, I, think, I think people say because I was in the army, there's a lot that will affect me in the army. And definitely the army has had an effect without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but it's definitely the childhood as well. It started there. But yeah, no, Afghanistan was just something else. Afghanistan uh, was the first time where I'm a little bit older and I'm thinking now I could come back in a box. I could lose my arms, my legs, my life. 
people around me were being, were being killed. I was with an infantry unit, um, the Green Howards, an amazing bunch of lads, all northerners and one little southerner. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy time. Uh, there were repatriations all the time. And I was like, I hope I get out of this one alive. Whereas up to that point, I'd felt uh, I, could, I could survive anything. Yeah, invincible. Yeah, but there was people dying around us all the time. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky to have come back. And I'm very lucky to be sat here now. And now you are here because initially you were brought over as part of your posting. That's yeah, I, yeah I'm, I mean, I never knew where Gibraltar was. I mean, how embarrassing is that, especially when I've got such a, a connection to the community now. Um, but yeah, no, I got an MBE from the Queen in 2012 in the New Year's Honours list, and the Queen told me she's proud of me. Um, I'm sure she says that to other people as well, <laughs> but, I, but I took that one, and that was just a lovely feeling. My mum was there, um, which, which was great. Um, yeah, and, and next thing is she says to me, you're going to Gibraltar. The people of Gibraltar are lovely. And I was like, I don't really know where this is, but yeah, okay. I didn't say that. I literally had like two minutes with her. And it was just a most, most amazing experience. Oh, two minutes more than most. Yeah, and next thing is I find myself in Gibraltar. So I come here as um, a warrant officer class one on promotion. And my job really was to look after the Royal Gibraltar Regiment in sense of their physical fitness, their adventurous training, legislation, grants, uh, Nuffield pool when we had the pool, yeah. um, but we don't have that anymore from an MOD's perspective. Um, that went to the government and also Gun Wharf, um, so adventure training. And I did four years there, four what years. What made you leave the army? Um, my ex-wife wanted me to leave. Um, I was offered commission. Uh, well, I was offered to go on selection for commission, but just decided that it just wasn't for me. And if I'm honest, I'd reached my ceiling. I'd reached my, the level that I ever aspired and dreamed to get to. So I, got, I left the army. Uh, the very next day, I joined the police. Um, and I did my training with the police, and I got top recruit in training. And yet again, it isn't because I'm that great. It's because I turned up on time. Mm -hmm. in good order, did as I was told, um, and got on with things. So, um, yeah, and then during that period I divorced. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that I blamed my wife for being out of the military. And when I left the military, I was extremely lonely, extremely... Uh, I tried to look for the military in the police. And in my six years of the police, I realised that uh, they're not in any way similar. Um, yes, there's a uniform. Yeah. Yes, there's a rank structure. Yes, I can still wear my medals, but that's about it, really. So tell me, you, your story is, can I say the words, all over the place. Yeah. You, you were everywhere doing yep. everything yep. and seemed to excel within what you chose to do. Yes. But the cracks also showed yeah, what you brought um, from your childhood moving through all of that journey. Yeah, no, I'm, um, I've had a massive issue with drink. Right. Um, I have um, changed as a person. So in the sense of I brought my children up not to cry. I didn't cuddle my children. I thought that that's making them strong. But I, that's what you knew. Yeah. No, when I, I, like, I, I did the best with what I knew at the time. I now know that that was wrong. 
and yeah, I would put my uniform on or my police uniform, take it off and start drinking. Put the uniform back on, give everything, take the uniform off and start drinking. And it was just my way of dealing with the trauma that I had in my head. And then bang, COVID hit us. Yeah. So before COVID and during COVID, there were three occasions where by a miracle of God that my life, I didn't lose my life. I walked up to the rock on two occasions, went to jump off and also went to hang myself in my flat. Um, while I had COVID and whilst I was stuck in the house. Um, and for that is where my problem with the police came up is because I left the house um, to, to save myself. And you know, an off-duty policeman reported me that I was out. Um, and I'm grateful for that now. At the time, I wasn't. Of course. Um, and the way that the police dealt with me, um, and don't get me wrong, I could have acted differently as well. But the way the police dealt with me is the reason why I left the police, mm. in a nutshell. Right. Um, so you were dealing with an awful lot of mental health issues, I mean, to get to being suicidal. And, and when you said an act of uh, a miracle stopped you, it was a phone call, wasn't it, from a friend? Yeah, it was. Um, it's two phone calls. And I went quiet. I went withdrawn. And so I say to anybody that is helping anybody that's suffering with mental health, if they go withdrawn and go quiet, that's a trigger. Yes. Um, so please look out for them. And if you feel yourself going quiet, please get help. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I did. I withdraw, and my friends were amazing, and they saved me. And in my flat, I put my military uniform on, my medals. I prepared the noose, and the doorbell never goes. And it went, and. Yeah. stopped you then? It, it was like getting a punch where it sort of wakes you up. Yeah. And I just literally took my uniform off and went out. I left the flat. It's very important what you say about going quiet. It's happened to me. If you are somebody who calls regularly your parents or have a family page on a WhatsApp group, for example, and you are a regular contributor and then all of a sudden, boom, yeah. you go quiet. Yeah. You're right. It's a very, very big trigger. Yeah. A lot's going on. Yeah. And you become your own worst enemy by, you know, kind of like sinking into yourself. And that's what would push you to the limit. Yeah. So how have you dealt with all of these things now? I mean, you recognize in yourself that from a very young age and going throughout your life, you've been traumatized on many levels. And there have been a lot of cracks that have shown anger issues, depression, all of these kinds of things. Yeah. How do you come to the conclusion, I've got a problem, I need to deal with it? Um, a few different things. Some amazing people. Calf Temple is one of them. And Calf Temple did some work with me, some release trauma. And it's the first time that I had broken down. Um, it was something above. Um, I can't explain it that told me to look in the mirror and sort myself out, to stop the drinking, um, to, to really look the person in, in, in the eye in the mirror that's looking back and say, look, you're lucky, stop being like a victim, sort yourself out. And that's really what it come down to. And uh, I've always been a big advocate of fitness and fitness has kept me on, on a good path. 
And so um, I've, I've met a lot of good people, the Mindspace project, and there's just so many people that have taught me new skills. And I never thought that a woman could teach me to be a man. And all that I've had in the last two years is women teaching me how to be a better person and to be a man. And so I've done a lot of apologies to my ex-wife for you know, how I treated her. You know, I came back from Afghanistan and said I'm disappearing with the lads. I couldn't engage with her. Um, you know, I just, just, I look at things differently now. Um, and I would say to anybody that's suffering, I am living my best days now. And, and whilst this talk can be a little bit depressing, a little bit upsetting, the, I am in such a place of light right now. It has now. a happy ending. It has a happy ending. And yeah, okay, it's always going to be there. I have, um, I have been diagnosed with PTSD, but I manage it. It does not manage me anymore. But that's key, of course. It's, it's actually knowing what the issue is. You can't, you can't heal yourself unless you know yourself, Yes. basically. Yeah. I notice you're also wearing a Samaritan's badge. Yeah, no. Um, Talking helps. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, Samaritans, you know, the connection to talking to one another. Um, we pass each other down Main Street all the time and it's just a quick hello. And actually, wouldn't it be nice if we stopped and, and how are you? Mm. And we actually listen. Yeah. When, and, and that's no criticism of anybody, but we're all racing around. And I've changed my life in such a way now, when everyone's rushing this way in the mornings, I'm walking this way. Mm -hmm. I've taken myself out of that rat race and I'm really proud of myself for that. And I'm proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> Tony, what is a day in the life of your life now? Because you've turned a lot of things around. Tell me a little bit about what's going on in your life now, your day to day. Um, uh, the day in my life now is uh, being CEO of a clothing brand, CEO and founder of a clothing brand. So I'm everything from CEO to social media to marketing to sweeping floors and, and everything in between. Um, I work different jobs in Gibraltar and everything is me about working hard, hustling um, and putting money into the brand and doing good things. But the biggest thing that sits with me this year is helping people. Sitting down with people and listening to them, talking to them, not judging them. Do not be judgmental, what I would say to people. Um, and being, being there for them and giving advice. So working with Mindspace, the EV Foundation, Possibilities, Snag, Cycle, the list goes on. Sunshine as well. Yeah, Sunshine. Yeah. Like, there are so many great people and so many great organizations and charities in Gibraltar um, that I've learned so much from them, in particular Mindspace. Mindspace has taught me so much about me, about how I can help others. There's just amazing people in Mindspace as well. Um, and I just feel blessed to give back. So, you know, um, what's my last thing I did? Well, I was Father Christmas um, for Snag. Um, yesterday um, in oh, the Med Ryan Club and uh, a couple of children went I know it's you Tony so <laughs> so I was like no it's not it's Santa but um, yeah this community has been good to me and I do say that you know I was born in England but I was made in Gibraltar yeah and it sounds a bit corny but I really feel like that and in particular with the brand the brand for me 
It's two years in. It's always going to be something that was started in Gibraltar and it will always have a strong connection here. But next year I start to push it into the United Kingdom and to America as well. Wow, that's so, great. So um, just thank you to the community for supporting it. And I've even had somebody get a tattoo of the brand done. Really? That they've said that the brand has changed their life, what it represents. And can you imagine the feeling for that? Is I want to create a brand, a brand that cares and that really means something. Yeah. And I've done it. Would you say Gibraltar now is your family? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, I've been here nine years. Uh, I care about this community. Um, not just where I was a police officer, but since I've left, so much more that I've been able to do. <clears throat> and it will always be part of my foundations, the start of my rebirth. And mm. I literally now am a different person than what I was just two years ago. And I'm very proud of that. Where does Tony want to be in five years' time? Tony um, wants to be um, in charge and managing uh, a brand that really cares about the people that wear the brand, but cares about the people that work for the brand, um, and really do my best in making the brand more global and sending the message out there of fitness and well-being. And all of us can do with a bit more fitness and all of us can do with looking after our well-being. So this really where I want the brand to stay true to. Um, it, this here is a person putting an arm around somebody. Wow, well um, thought out. Yeah, and, and this, you know, this is not Tony Gould, this is trust and guidance. But, um, and this really, you know, is a strong shape. So this is one of the strongest shapes. And it's really strength and kindness, being kind to people. But really promoting people that, however bad it is, get off that couch, stop complaining, stop feeling like a victim, because this is what I did for a while. Get on with things and live your best life. And, you know, if I can do it, and many other people that I know have done it, you can do it too, and that's my message really of hope, happiness, and yeah, we're not here very long, so let's enjoy That's it. That's true. Um, and really care for each other. And now I want to go and nosy your brand, see what it's all about. Uh, Can be, we go down to the uh, shop and have a look? Absolutely, be honoured to. So Tony, this is the birth of your baby. Yeah, I'm very proud of it, I really am. What do you do? There's women's stuff here. Yeah, we've got women's stuff. And um, what we do is we keep the logo nice and small, yeah. which is how I, li I like it to be. And yeah, we've got women's stuff. We've got more stuff coming in. It predominantly started with men because it was always, it started with me about men's mental health. But I, I you know, I, I realised it's a, it's a bigger issue. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm just so proud of the range that we do and the ranges that are coming. I'm just looking because it's not just women and men as well. You've got kids. Yeah, yeah, got kids. Yeah, great. Yeah, no, the shorts are great. This um, is the kind of thing every mother loves. Yeah. You can wash it and dry yeah. it in five minutes. <laughs> I'm just so proud to be stood here now talking to you, um, seeing what I had in my brain yeah. has now become a reality because I really believed it to be so. So I say to anyone, if you've got a dream, anything you want to do, what are you waiting for? Yeah. Go for it. Absolutely. And the fact that it's sat here now, you know, supported by Straits Apparel, I can't be any more grateful. 
and I might just get one of these jackets for me. Yeah, no, the hybrid jackets. It. Yeah, hybrid. <laughs> in fact, we thought we'd get more men wearing them, and we do get men wearing them. But there's actually a lot of women I've seen walking around with the with the hybrid jacket. Love it. Um, and just, just, I'm just super proud that when I see somebody wearing the kit that I don't know, it's like, oh, that's beautiful. That's what this is all about. So. Yeah, the brand really means something and it just doesn't mean something to me. It means something to those people that wear it. And I think that's that's the key here is that it's about them. It's not about me. It's about them and their story and how they help people. And I think that's the key thing here is you know, my motto for the brand is that we rise by lifting each other. And I think that's really important. And that's that's sort of the message that I want to get out there. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.